Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's time for the Blue Blows Podcast. With your It's playoff time, and the usual suspects are heading to Vegas for the championship and our partner Bet Online is your number one source for football odds, stats, trends and lines. With everything from point spreads to hundreds of bets on everything from the coin toss to the color of Gatorade, Bet Online is the number one source for your championship wagering. Head to Bet Online and join today to get into all the action. Bet Online, the game starts here. And joining us on the Carnesada, he is the host of WB, except WBC Central for Baseball Isn't Boring and... Uh, this is Sean Spradling. I, before I, I go into this next thing, I, this association with pitchers list, what are you doing with pitchers list, Sean? Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good, great question because that is very new. Uh, new. So pitcher list, um, I applied to be a writer for them and I'll be writing some articles with, with pitcher list. I'm really excited for it. I uh, written a couple articles about the world baseball classic and like international baseball over the last year or two, but haven't really spent a lot of time dedicated to writing. So I'm excited to sit down and actually write some content uh, specifically focused on the international side of baseball. Well, I I mean, I want to start off with this because you have become the go-to, you are the expert now on all international baseball. I mean, you know that, right? I mean, everybody credits you as the guy who's who's giving us that coverage. Uh, I, how did that come about? Yeah, I mean, honestly, that's the crazy thing is just, I mean, at this point, only a year and a half ago is when the world MLB decided and announced publicly that the World Baseball Classic was going to be happening in 2023. So this was summer 22 when they announced it. And at that time, I was super excited. I loved the tournament in 2017. That was the first one I actually got to sit down and watch. Um, and so I was, I was excited to see what the rosters were going to look like. I started Googling like, Oh, I wonder who's going to play, what players have said that they're going to join, what coaches there are. And there was no news whatsoever. No one was talking about it. And a big part of that probably had to do with the COVID delay and, um, it being pushed back a couple years. It had been since 2017. So it had been, it, it was a six year hiatus, um, but there was nothing. There was no one talking about it in English specifically. Um, there were some Dominican reporters and Puerto Rican reporters that had been covering their own national team over the over, over the last couple of years, as well as, of course, the Japanese team. They love Samurai Japan, their national team. But there was nothing in English. And so I kind of took it upon myself to be that bridge uh, and help bridge the gap between languages and baseball fans around the world so that English-speaking fans could understand what the WBC looked like and baseball culture looked like elsewhere around the world. Cause like, I mean, anywhere, any of those other countries in the WBC that participated, the WBC has already been their world cup. The U S has been kind of lagging behind and it's been a little bit of a secondary exhibition for a lot of fans. I think this is the first time that everybody's sort of started to buy in, but it was really cool to see like fans from the U S uh, in like in my mentions and comments, talking with fans from Cuba and then the Cubans talking with the, the fans from Taiwan and then the, the Korean fans like having conversations with the Canadians because it was finally like a place that people could talk about their own baseball cultures and show off their country. 
So that's kind of what started it for me. I mean, I went to school for sports management and, and marketing. So I knew that I wanted to work in like the marketing side of baseball. I didn't know that it would be the world baseball classic, but um, it was a blast. Look, I think it was very smart on your part. What you did is, I, in a sense, I feel like you created a market. Uh, I do appreciate that you pointed out the fact that there has been international coverage. It just wasn't by American standards. Why is that? On this show, we are big fans of the World Baseball Classic. We think this is a fantastic event. But yet, every time I go to Dodger Stadium and I come across people who work in the game, there is still, I feel like, this elitist point of view where it's just like, well, it's it's a, it's a, it's a tournament. Not all the best players are going. And it just feels like, to me, it's just like, I, I, why can't you guys give this tournament credit? It's not perfect, but I think it, it, yeah. it's definitely getting better. Yeah. Oh, I, I completely agree. I think that this is absolutely the closest thing that we have to a World Cup. Our sport has never had like a World Cup stage uh, that size international competition like we have now. The Olympics have always been great. It's so fun to see like the, the countries compete against each other. But we've never been allowed to have like MLB 40 man roster players play in the Olympics until it's not confirmed yet, but it's possible that the next one in LA actually might be able to have 40 man roster players play in it. But for the WBC, this is, this is the time that we actually get to see the players play for something that is more than just a paycheck. <laughs> they're paying for, they're playing for their country. They're playing for their family and for the pride of where they're from and uh, the, all of the people that got them to that point. Of course, like MLB is the dream for so many players, but the players themselves, like if you ask them, there were so many players in at this last WBC that said they would have preferred to win the world baseball classic than they would the world series. Now that's not all players, but just the fact that, that you hear some players Comparing those two shows how important it is for players to compete in this and to wear their flag, to wear their country on their chest and their name on their back. Um, it's, it's something that I think is going to continue to grow as time goes on. And for fans that don't, that haven't bought on board yet, uh, gotten on board yet with the WBC, I think it's a couple things. For me, I, I see a lot of fans that just have, so I, I use myself for, for example, like I grew up in Texas. I, in, in central Texas, I just played baseball all the way through high school. I didn't even really know that baseball was a thing around the world. I didn't know they played it in, in East Asia other than like, oh yeah, yeah, new Japan liked it. I knew that, uh, like the Dominicans and the Mexicans and the Puerto Ricans, like they like baseball, but that's all I knew. Like I didn't, I didn't pay attention to baseball around the world until I was actually like, my eyes were opened with the W the WBC. Um, and so like, I think a lot of people are probably in that same boat that they just haven't realized or open, I guess, had their eyes opened to baseball around the world and seen that, man, this sport, like America's pastime has become like a global sport. And so as, as time goes on and we start to become more, um, more accustomed to and more used to international competition, I think fans will continue to buy on more and more. But I, I think for now, it's just so uncomfortable for them because they've always only seen MLB and that, that's all that MLB fans have known. So it, I think it just takes time. You know, this, this tournament's so young, but it's, it's definitely growing its history now. 
We we do forget about the fact that it, it is still young because Alonzo, correct me if I'm wrong, because I know you know football better than I do. It took a while for the World Cup to become what we know as the World Cup, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, it was the European teams and the South American teams, and that was kind of the, the, the battle of the Goliaths, if you will. And then it blew up into everyone, right? But I mean, that doesn't diminish the fact that it's not the biggest game in the world. But be yeah. that as it may, it's you know, I think, I think after this last World Baseball Classic, like I think there's going to be a little bit of a fever, a fervor, if you will, because mm-hmm. I mean, to your point, something that you said, there's still a lot of people that I see that get irked that that some of these guys say the WBC title means more to them than a World Series, and and it, it just in those cultures, you know, in Latin America and Japan, you mm-hmm. know, Asia, like the, the, these other places, baseball means so much more than we realize even here. And I mean, yeah. granted here we're spoiled. We got the NFL, the NBA, college athletics, major league baseball, pro golf. Like there's so many things to pick from. And like you go to the Domin- I would love to go to a game in the Dominican. Just oh, I would love to. Because it'd be a riot. And and people would just be not only would some people that love the game and cherish the game here, and I cherish the game here, be offended, but that the amount of fun that they have that they don't take it so serious is is insanity to me. Uh, I, I wanted to ask you something, uh, Sean. Uh, you said you're from Texas. The vibes are good so far, so this may set the vibes back, and the vibes may deteriorate quickly. Are you an Astros or a Rangers fan? Am I allowed to plead the fifth on that one? Uh, I mean, I, I guess don't, we- I don't, I don't know if we, if I'm allowed to, uh, to continue on this podcast, if I answer that question, I mean, understand if you, Sean, to- you have a, you have a tell with your reaction to the El Chuve contract. Yeah. That was a tell. Yeah. <laughs> you, you I was, I was curious right when I, uh, cause since that, of course that news came out today, I was like, Oh no, I'm going on this podcast. And that is the most recent tweet that I sent out yeah. with this edit that I made with Altuve in a Jersey in in his Astros Jersey. No, I, in so I grew up in Austin. Uh, we don't have our own team. Right. We don't have. We didn't have any any uh, teams in general. Any sports teams. It was just like you could root for the University of Texas. Or now, now we have a soccer team, which is fantastic. I'm I love Austin FC. But it growing up in Austin, it was like you kind of had to pick and choose your teams. So I'm the most annoying Texas sports fan that has ever existed because I like the Houston Astros growing up. I like the Dallas Cowboys and the San Antonio Spurs. Wow. And I was like, in like 2004, 2005, I was like, I'm just going to pick one of the, all of these t- different teams. And those are the teams that I liked. Obviously, the Astros were good with Berkman, Vigio Bagwell at that time. Um, and then pretty much everybody in Austin were Cowboys fans. So that was easy. Um, but it's, just, it's pretty funny because like, I'll tell someone like, yeah, I'm an Astros fan. And then they assume I'm a Texans and a Rockets fan. But then I, they get mad at me when I say I like the Cowboys or the Spurs. It's, it's pretty funny. <laughs> Well, I mean, as a big uh, Victor Wembeyana guy, I respect that. So, so oh, at least, yeah. at least we, the Cowboys thing is sus. But if if you must know, there is trauma <laughs> here. Juan Ramirez is a big Raider fan, uh, and nothing yeah. can hurt him. There nothing you go. Can hurt him. So that's right. You can't <laughs> hurt me. I'm a Raiders fan. So I, I wanted to ask you because because again, you're the the way I kind of look at it. There and, and good for you. You have this niche of being able to cover international baseball, and and I think it's something that is sorely needed in this country because it's a completely different perspective. Yoshinobu Yamamoto, recent Dodger signing. A lot yes, of people sir. are like, yo, why are they spending this absorbent amount of money on a guy like this? So explain to me what Yoshinobu Yamamoto is if I have never, ever seen that guy throw. 
Yeah, man, that is, that's an awesome question because I think that Yoshinobu Yamamoto coming over to MLB right now is, it's really the perfect time for him to come for a Japanese pitcher of his caliber to come over for two reasons. One, they just came off of a world baseball classic win. They are the world champions of the world baseball classic. Like they are the best, the, the most, honestly, the most popular like baseball country right now. If you go anywhere on, on uh, baseball Twitter, like people just want to talk about all the Japanese players and rightfully so like they're, they're, they're all great. Like all of those guys on Samurai Japan, they were so much fun to watch, but Yoshinobu Yamamoto, it was, it has been the best pitcher in Japan bar none for the last like four to five years. Um, and so him coming over at this time where they just won the world baseball classic and obviously with Otani being on the, at the top of his game, also signing with the Dodgers, it is, it, it's just perfect timing. Yoshinobu Yamamoto is, like I said, he has been the best pitcher in Japan for the last couple of years. He has won back-to-back-to-back Cy Young equivalents, the Sawamura Award, back-to-back-to-back pitching triple crowns and MVPs. No one has the resume in Japan as a pitcher as that Yoshinobu Yamamoto does. Not Daisuke when he came over, not Yu Darvish when he came over. It, it, it's only him. Like he is second to none in just the pure numbers. Um, and so it, it's just so exciting for not only MLB fans, but also for Japanese baseball fans to see him now kind of test the waters, waters over here and to get for Japanese fans to be able to root for both of their guys, both of their top pitchers in Yamamoto and Otani on the same team, the team that had Hideo Nomo, who was the first like star pitcher that came over from Japan it just it like deepens that Japanese history and the ties with the Dodgers. And so all that I'm seeing from like Japanese fans is they're ecstatic. Like everybody is super excited to see those two players come over to the Dodgers. Um, I mean, we can talk about like his repertoire or, or like the pitches that he throws, but I think honestly the cultural impact of him coming over at this point is the, the biggest thing for me just to see like how excited people are about him coming to the Dodgers. Well, and, and with all that said, I mean, that's that's hard for Dodger fans to not be excited to have a guy like that on the roster, right? With that, there's a lot of questions that I've seen people like, well, is is his, is he going to translate well? Is he going to adapt well, you know, to, to the major league level? Obviously, there's going to be a learning curve because, I mean, these are the best hitters in the world. Not to say mm-hmm. that the, the folks in Japan aren't any good. That's a, that's one of my favorite baseball leagues, the discipline there, bar none. It's, I, I would have loved to have been around uh, the Japanese game growing up. Oh, yeah. With that said, how do you think Yamamoto translates over here now that he's here? Yeah, I so from what I've seen, and I don't like claim to be like a, a pitcher guru or an anal- like a like someone that digs deep into the analytics Absolutely. necessarily. No, this is just asking you as a guy that is familiar with the international game. Totally. And yeah. And the reason, but I put that out there because I will say the people that I do trust on that side of baseball analytics, um, and from like my connections with Japanese baseball, uh, I think there is a consensus that he is going to absolutely succeed and thrive in MLB for a couple of reasons. One, he, so NPB is for those that aren't aware, um, the Japanese baseball league, it is, it's only second to MLB. Of course it is, a, it's, it's a step down from major league baseball, 
but it is the second best league in the world. It's the league that produces all of these Japanese stars that we see coming over. And it's, but, but the bigger thing for me is that it's such a contact first league. Like the, the hitters really emphasize making contact. They, they haven't really caught up to the power quite yet with MLB, but because of that, like they, they get on base, they're really good contact hitters and he still doesn't give up contact. Like he still doesn't give up hits. And so I, I'm, I'm pretty excited to see like his fastball. I know everybody's really excited about his fastball with that rising action and his splitter. Um, splitters are so new. I feel like still for pitchers right now to get on board with, but Japan has been developing and teaching all of their pitchers the splitter for so long. Like Pitching Ninja always talks about like how Japan has mastered the splitter while uh, a lot of MLB pitchers are still kind of scared of the injury risks. And so um, we saw in the WBC, all of Team USA struggled with the splitters that Japan was throwing. Um, and Yamamoto splitter is incredible. So I think he's going to do great. I think he's something that MLB hasn't seen. Um, he's he's pretty high velo, and his I really like his pitching repertoire. Um, and obviously, he has like a, a, a great lineup behind him, so he's not going to have any issues with run support. But I'm I think he's going to do great. Well, and and uh, I like that you're hyping up the cultural aspect because I I honestly, and I've said this on previous shows, I don't think that we as Dodger fans are remotely ready for the shenanigans that are going to come with having no. Shohei and Yamamoto on that team. Um, I mean, I'll tell you just real quick. I was at the WBC and I was able to, I was fortunate enough to be on the field with uh, like media for the WBC final and the semifinals. It was, it was pretty wild. Like seeing the, the media with all of the different uh, countries there and everybody representing, but with Otani there alone, it was just a different beast. Like I swear all of Japanese media flew over from Japan just to watch him play. And so you have Otani and you have Yamamoto making his debut season. It is going to be like something that Dodgers fans have not seen in a long time, if not ever. Do you think it'd be fair to say that like with baseball as a whole, that I don't, we don't think baseball has seen something like that. Yeah. I mean, I think that's fair to say we haven't seen anything like Otani just alone and then pair him with the best pitcher out of, uh, out of Japan. I'll, I'll also tell you this, a lot of media and, uh, team personnel for Samurai Japan going into the WBC, of course, Otani is Otani, but a lot of people considered Yamamoto to be Samurai Japan's ace. They had Yamamoto, they had Otani, they had Roki Sasaki, Kodai Senga was even like considering playing. Um, they had Yu Darvish, and yet they still, a lot of people considered him to be their ace since he was the best pitcher in Japan. So it says a lot when you have all of those other names in the in the rotation. I just say that because we joke on this show that Otani has been in the witness protection program in Anaheim. And <laughs> it, like people are acting like he's not been in California at all this entire time. But uh, like I said, I'm going to die on the hill that I don't think we know what's coming. Juan, I know you're chomping at the bit to ask about Roki because you don't think he's real. So go ahead. <laughs> well, no, but here's one of the things. I, I get a lot of shit for this, Sean, and I'm curious if you got shit for this when you first started covering international baseball, and that is mm -hmm. all of a sudden everybody's an expert on Yamamoto. Everybody was an expert on, like, everybody's, like, when they talk about Roki, and I'm just yeah. like, really, guys? You guys are watching uh, the Japanese League every night? <laughs> like, and because <laughs> I was honest enough to admit Hey, I don't watch this guy 
play every day. So I don't feel comfortable being able to say, oh, this is going to play for him. This pitch will pitch for, for him. Yeah. Uh, so I, I say this with trepidation, what you can tell us about uh, you know, Sasaki, but I am curious if you got shit when you first started talking about international baseball where people were going, How, what makes you the expert? Why do you know so much? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I have definitely gotten my fair share of pushback on Twitter. I think that the moment I started talking about other countries' national teams, for the most part, it was a, it was a very welcomed response. It was like, we were so thankful that you're like shining a light on our country and our culture and everything. But of course there were some people as, as with everyone on Twitter that were just like, who are you to talk about like these players? You don't know them, which like, I don't, I, like you said, I don't pretend to, like, I don't wake up at 3am every night to watch Roki Sasaki and Yamamoto pitch in, in Japan. Like I did maybe three or four times this last year. There was actually one game, which is like honestly the most underrated baseball game in the world last year, in my opinion, where Sasaki and Yamamoto pitched against each other after like three years of them trying to match up, but both teams would kind of shy away from the matchup. They, they didn't, every time that they were lined up to start, one of them would like rest another day. They never got to match up until last year. Um, they finally got to pitch against each other. They both, like, I think they threw one earned run between the two of them and like 20 total strikeouts. It was ridiculous. Um, but all that being said, I don't, I, I, I don't pretend to know, but when it comes to Roki Sasaki, like it, again, it, I know more of the cultural impact. I know more of like his, what he is doing and how the impact that of what he's doing in Japan, how big of a deal that is and what people expect to see when he comes over to MLB. Um, I think, People are talking about him being like they've never seen a pitcher like this out of Japan. Um, I can't tell you why. I don't know what like what they see that's different from Daisuke and Darvish and and uh, Yamamoto, but he is known as like this is the guy that we've we've never seen something like this out of a Japanese pitcher. He's known his nickname's the Monster of the Reiwa Era. The Reiwa Era being like now this is this is the Reiwa Era, and he is like. When he he's only what 21, 22 right now, he is still incredibly young. And if he does end up being able to come over to MLB early um, and not have to wait until he's twenty five, like the sky is the limit for his contract. Like he's going to get more than Yamamoto. So can you can you explain that for some of us who aren't that knowledgeable about the the posting process? The big controversy where everybody's like he's yeah. going to force himself to to be able to post next year. How is that going to take place? Yeah. So it, it is incredibly confusing for MLB fans that are not familiar with the posting process or how MLB uh, international players come to MLB and rightfully so like it's a confusing process. Um, but the way that it works is the, for NPB players to post for MLB clubs you have to have, I believe it's nine years of service time in an MLB approved professional league, NPB being one. Um, and you have to be at least 25 years old to be posted to major league baseball organizations. So he's 21, 22. I think he's 22. Um, and he, so technically he would still have three more years until that would even be a possibility um, before his, his team could post him. Um, but 
there was a lot of there were a lot of reports coming out from sources in Japan stating that he was holding out of his contract extension. He was holding out from signing a contract extension because apparently back when he was drafted, I think in 2018, he had come to some agreement with the Chibalote Marines, his NPB team, that he would be able to be posted early when he wanted to um, to go to MLB. It's the same way that uh, Otani wanted to come over early. He didn't sign for the big uh, hundreds of millions of dollars like he could have coming out of Japan because he he wanted to go early. Um, same thing is what Roki Sasaki wants for MLB. He wants to come over early. but And, and this has still not been confirmed. And that's the hard part. They There's not a confirmation whether that was actually a clause in his contract or if it was just some verbal agreement that like, yeah, Roki, you can you can sign early. We'll let you go. And then now that it's 2023, he's like, hey, I want to go over this offseason with Yamamoto. And they don't want him to. They're saying like, and you have not. I think the quote from the article that I read was that he has not given like sufficient contributions to the team. And so they're not going to allow him to post yet. So all of that is still very private between him and his team with the the Marines. We don't know like what the contract actually says, but he did sign an extension for one year for all of 2024 with the uh, allegedly the intentions of hopefully signing and po- being posted to MLB next offseason. Again, this is all like reportedly um, we don't know yet what the contract actually says, but it's clear that he wants to come over early. It just depends on if the Marines are going to allow him to or not. There is this growing narrative that somehow the Dodgers now with signing Shohei Otani and Yamamoto have now yeah. created a pipeline from the Japanese uh, baseball league to the Dodgers. So every great Japanese player is <laughs> going to go to the Dodgers. How true is that narrative? And will everyone in major league baseball lose their mind if somehow Sasaki ends up on the Dodgers next year? That second question I can guarantee is a yes. All of baseball will lose their mind. If you have a rotation that includes Otani, Yamamoto, and Roki Sasaki, that is, that's literally just the Samurai Japan WBC winning rotation right there. So we would lose our minds. But I think the, something that I mentioned earlier, and I actually was so lucky to be able to talk to this, um, this Japanese reporter when I was, uh, working, covering a Baseball United event. Um, he was there. There was this Japanese reporter. He's been covering MLB in Japan for 50 plus years. I think this was his 50th year. Uh, he's an elderly guy. He was so kind. He actually walked up and introduced himself to me and wanted to talk about just like international baseball. And we had a long conversation. I got to interview him. He told me that Hideo Nomo being the first, was the first like big Japanese star in MLB. So because of that, there is a lot of prestige with Japanese players uh, with the Dodgers. Uh, like it's it's a very it's a very highly regarded team, of course. And so because of that, it's not too surprising that Yamamoto signed with the Dodgers and that Otani wanted to sign with the Dodgers. So would not at all be surprised if Roki Sasaki is considering it. And on top of that, like he has two of his friends there. Like it, 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 I I don't think that it's it's too much to say that like having another player from your country on a, that team is it, that's a big deal. Like you speak the same language. You can get like recommendations about where to go, where to live, who to like hang out with. Like, you know, like just like 
the cultural impact of having someone be that knows your language while you're adjusting to a new country, a new culture is huge. And so having two of those guys there would be, would be pretty, pretty big for Roki Sasaki. Um, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if the Dodgers did it. It's nothing's going to be surprised me after this off season. Uh, Alonzo, I think this was all part of the Dodgers master plan, right? It was like, whatever it costs, get Otani and Yamamoto, because that way we're going to be able to close the deal with Sasaki. Bro, they're going to spend a trillion dollars in Japan. Like that's just, <laughs> that's where it's headed. Um, and I promise you Japan is going to repay that. Like oh, people yeah. are like, oh, why would they give Otani so much money? Like how, how could they give both of those players? You have the entire Japanese market right now. Like, and they are a passionate fan base from a passionate country. So you have the entire market. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. Like it's not, it's not even going to be close. I mean, I, I, I said this to someone the other day and they still were like, well, we don't get it. That, that Otani, even though he deferred all that money, it's going to pay for itself. And then some like, like this, it not only oh, yeah. was it a, a baseball decision, but it was a business decision at the end of the day, as Juan said on our show last week, um, bringing it back in to, to international baseball, uh, it pains me to say that Mexico lost to to Panama the other day uh, in a oh, son of a bitch in a in a in a walk off fashion. Um, but the Serie del Caribe or the Caribbean series, as they say in English, uh, is, is a massive series. Yeah. It's a massive series in Latino America. It was great to see that they did it at a I, I forget what they call it now. Is it Lone Depot Park? Is that what they call Lone it? Lone Depot. Now? Yeah. Um, I can't keep track of all the sponsors anymore. But uh, yeah. but uh, they they had like thirty five thousand people there. The vibe was killing it. Uh, you know, it, it's everything that international baseball is. I don't understand why it wasn't on a higher profile network. Can you explain that to me? When it comes to, so for the Caribbean series, honestly, like this is, this is my first time being able to watch the Caribbean series myself. Um, I had not had the opportunity to last year or the year before, since I've like really been following and, and covering international baseball. So it, it's been a ton of fun to like learn what I guess how the coverage and what the Caribbean series looks like in the U S of course, like in all of Latin America, in the Caribbean, it's, it's a massive, massive deal. Um, but it, it's pretty shocking to me that still so many MLB fans and American fans just honestly have no idea what the Caribbean series is. Um, I put out a tweet a couple days ago that I, it was just like, Hey, because I've had a lot of questions about this, I'm just going to explain what how the Caribbean series works because it's really confusing for a lot of MLB fans that like there's a country versus a country, but it's not the national teams. And then it's like the the winners of the, the uh, winter leagues, but also like Robinson Cano is on this team and he wasn't on that team in the winter league. So there's a lot of like confusion with MLB fans that I didn't realize that people didn't didn't know how, to, how it worked. So I guess I'm not too surprised that big uh networks haven't picked it up yet but i think it's a huge missed opportunity and especially not having an english language uh, broadcast i know that bali sports florida does but we can't access that everywhere anywhere else and so um i don't know I, hopefully next year because I, th I saw that there was a lot of buzz leading up to it this year with the after the the winter leagues even in english so i don't know hopefully so um I would like to compliment you on something. If you go to, to Sean's Instagram, which is Sean, S-H-A-W-N, not S-E-A-N. It's annoying how many spellings there is. Shout out to my friend Sean O'Connell, who spares his name different. Uh, one of the, the pinned posts is uh, you in a suit with a bag of Funyuns uh, doing the Otani. That, that is 
some, I mean, as a, that's incredible. First of all, <laughs> second of all, how many people asked you what you were for Halloween? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I honestly, I would say that probably 15, 10 to 15% of people knew what the heck I was, I, I, but I didn't really go out and do much. That was more for the photo, honestly. Like I, I, and I have some, I hung out with some baseball fans, but other than that, no one had any idea. It was just a blue suit. It's just a blue suit in a Funyuns bag. But like I, I put that on Twitter and, and the Otani fans, the show bays, they absolutely loved it. So um, that's yeah, I have that in my pin tweet because that's probably my favorite uh, Halloween costume I've done. No, it's it's well executed, and I, you know what, Shohei Otani would be flattered that that you were able to pull it off the way that you did. So good on you, sir. I just it was just so easy. It's just a blue suit. I already had a blue suit, which is great, and a bag of Funyuns. I just went to the store and got some Funyuns, and that's it. And so. a backpack. And a backpack. <laughs> that's true. I forgot the backpack. You're right. Yeah. You're right. Uh, Juan, go ahead. I, I want to be respectful of your time, Sean. So we want to end the show the way we always end the show. Uh, we do a series of rapid fire questions here that we like to call our kickback questions. So um, if you want to give a long answer, by all, by all means, feel free to. Uh, but I want to start off with this. Uh, Taiwan uh, is a possible host site for the 2026 uh, WBC. Yes. Uh, I myself am just selfish and just feel like all the games should be played at a stadium that I could easily get to. <laughs> but realistically, is it better for these tournaments to have them play in the Tokyo Dome or Dodger Stadium or, you know, or those classic stadiums that are associated with baseball? Uh, yeah, I will try my best to keep this short <laughs> because I could go <laughs> on and on about this one. I think, and, and Alonzo, I know that you said you follow soccer or football uh, in, in the World Cup. Like, I, I think that you'll understand this. There are two very different camps of fans when it comes to hosting the WBC. There's on one side, there are some very passionate fans that want it to be in one city. Everything to be in one city. All of the WBC to be hosted in LA or all of it to be in San Diego or, or Miami. Um, so that everybody's together, the competition's even, you don't have to worry about traveling and everything. And then there's another side of it where they're also very passionate about it. They want it, they want the WBC to continue showing off new countries and new cultures and new stadiums so that we can see what baseball looks like around the world. Um, and I think that, I, I think that MLB's uh, purpose with the, with the WBC is to help grow baseball around the world and to help show off that baseball culture in other places and to help bring that to MLB. So I think that for the foreseeable future, we're going to continue to get um, different hosts in different parts of the world. And Taiwan specifically is just, I, that is a country that I didn't really realize. Like I said, growing up in, in Texas, like I had no idea that Taiwan loved baseball, but it is their, it's their national sport. Like they are, unbelievably passionate about the game you saw like games where they were down 10 to 2 in the wbc and they were still like singing and chanting and everything in the stadium it was it's wild and specifically the taipei dome it's a new stadium there holds forty thousand people it's beautiful so if we do get a chance for that to be a host i, I wouldn't be upset at all second rapid fire question uh you tweeted i think today that the kbo uh, released graphics to help explain their new automated ball strike system. Explain yeah. that to me and how it's different than what minor league baseball is looking at doing. 
Uh, honestly, I think it's pretty similar. I haven't, I just tweeted that I saw the graphics. I don't know Korean though. So I haven't looked into exactly what the graphics say, <laughs> but from the Korean like sources that I have, it sounds like it's very similar to what M MILB and MLB will eventually be implementing, um, which to tie it all back in with the WBC, I don't think the WBC is going to implement rules like, like bigger bases or like pitch clocks or, uh, the ball strike system until all big leagues are doing it. So once all of those big leagues have like the major leagues around the world do have those implemented, I think that's when the WBC will have those as well. Uh, Sean, I don't think it's confirmed yet, but there are rumors that, you know, major league baseball does these international series. So the, the yeah. Dodgers and the show pods are going to be playing in Korea. Um, I think the Yankees are going to Mexico uh next year the rumor is there's going to be a series in japan now the players union i believe has a rule that two the same team cannot travel abroad two years in a row if that's the case that means the dodgers will not be playing in japan next year will the players union make an exception there because does it not make perfect sense to have the dodgers Probably it's got to be the Dodgers and the Yankees playing in Japan next year, right? Yeah, it's got to be, right? Like, there's no way you can go to Japan right now. In this period of time where you have Babe Ruth in Shohei Otani, like, you have him just primed to be able to go back and play at home. Him and Yamamoto, and then maybe Roki Sasaki by that point. Like, that's, you got to have the Dodgers go. Like, it would be perfect. Maybe they'll play against the Mets, though, with Kodai Senga. I don't know. What if they said, or, like, the Reds and the Rockies, how pissed would you be, Juan? <laughs> uh, I, I would love to have the Rockies go over there just so I could see everybody in Japan going, what the fuck is this? Like, who, who are these guys? Um, here's another one for you. Um, have you had an encounter, good or bad, with the show base? I have a dear close friend who unfortunately raised the ire of the show base, and that shit is real, man. The show base, they come after you on social oh, media. 100%. For those of 100%. us that don't know what the show base are, what are the show base one? Uh, I'll let Sean explain it. <laughs> the show base are show haze fan base. That is like the show base. They call themselves the show base. They are everybody that are. Shohei Otani, like super fans. Um, and actually, it's it's a good way to tell if someone's a Shohei on Twitter is they have the little, like, uh, the mini number above their name. It just says 17. So you'll see a lot of people that just say, like, Sean Spradling with a little 17 above it. That's, that's a good indicator. That's his number for everybody that doesn't know that. But, yeah, so I love my Shohei's, like, followers. They're, they're the best. Like, they... I mean, I would say that the Shobays are like Shohei Otani fans are only second to Taylor Swift fans in like how much they love their person. Like, and be careful, and, be careful, John. Be careful. They're listening. Yeah, they're bro. listening. You might, you might get accosted. So just chill. Just chill. <laughs> I. It's so funny because I tweeted this out uh, back when the whole like airplane Otani in an airplane from Toronto thing was going on. Um, I was talking to my wife about it, who's a big Taylor Swift fan. She's a Swifty, and I was like, I was telling her all about this. And she said like, this is, this is our version of like, she, what did she say? I think her quote specifically was like, this is major Swifty, um, like vibes. Like we are, we are 
full bought into like just being obsessed with Shohei Otani, every single thing he does. What is he wearing? What is he eating? Where is he going? Um, and, and that's who the showbays are. I honestly, I love it because like a lot of these fans um, either didn't like, I don't know, didn't speak up, weren't as comfortable with being like, I guess, presences on social media or, and a lot of them weren't baseball fans before that. And he brought in such a huge fan base, a huge population that just didn't like, didn't follow baseball and that now MLB has to be able to follow their sport. Um, so I think it's a great thing. Um, of course, you don't want to get on the wrong side of it. They will call you out for, for anything that you say about him that they don't like, but it comes with the territory. Uh, two more, Sean, before uh, we let you go. Uh, we are big fans of the male soap opera on this show, which is known as uh, professional wrestling. Have you at one time or another been a fan of wrestling? And if so, who were your favorite wrestlers? Oh, man. I I haven't, unfortunately. This this will probably be a shorter answer. I, I haven't really followed Showbase. Showbase. Do you hear that? Sick him, Showbase. Here, let me ask you, who, how, how would I start if I was uh, to be a wrestling fan now? Where, where would I start? <laughs> don't enable him, Sean. Don't, whatever you do, my biggest piece of advice to you is please don't enable him. Don't do it. Uh, all I will say is this, Sean. To me, the era of, of wrestling ended in the gold age, in the golden age. However, there is an era called the attitude era that I think all you younger kids are like super into. I think Alonzo is probably more into the attitude era. Um, but, you know, Peacock has the W and I don't know how much longer they're going to have it, but yeah. you could totally go down a rabbit hole and just go through the history. I, I say that because we are celebrating the 40th anniversary of one of the most terrible things that ever happened in this country. And that's Hulkamania. So uh, a lot of wrestlers lost their careers as a result of, of a man with a Fu Manchu. But I, I digress. So let's go to the next one. Uh, we are big friends of taco culture here. And we, we love oh. our tacos. But being that you're an international one, I want to change up this. We always end the show with this question in terms of what is your favorite taco and where you go to get it. But being that you are an international man of mystery and you get exposed to a lot of different international cuisine is I'm going to rephrase it to you this way. Is there something better than tacos internationally that you came across? Okay. That, that last part of your question is there, that's going to be, there's a little caveat that I got to put on that. And I will say that I'm not coming from an unbiased source because while I don't sound like it and I don't speak Spanish, unfortunately, to I and I hate it. I am actually half Mexican, and so I I grew up having tacos. Like my I, I, my mom's cooking is my favorite. So like I I wouldn't say that there's another cuisine that's necessarily better <laughs> than tacos, but um, I will say that I have been really getting into like East Asian cuisines a lot more recently. Um, I, I've been trying to like learn some recipes and cook some like Chinese food and Korean food. Um, I had some Korean barbecue that recently that was incredible. Um, also in Texas, there's not like a huge, um, East Asian, I guess, influence, uh, cultural, uh, food wise as much as there is on the, on the West coast. So I was a little bit newer to that. Um, I'm trying to think of what else, what, what else I've tried recently international food that, hadn't tried or that I that I really liked but I mean you can't you can't be tacos 
Like it's it's the best. They're the best. Well, Sean Spradling Sanchez just gave the best answer right there, which is <laughs> you cannot beat tacos. Uh, Sean, we want to thank you. Sorry we went over, but we really appreciate uh, all the knowledge uh, that you brought and being the fact that now. I mean, Dodger Stadium was always international. You know, it was all, you know, the Mexicans always take over Dodger Stadium. But we know going into this year, it's going to be a little different. I'm a little fascinated because the Japanese are infatuated with the ch the Cholo culture. Uh, mm. So I'm, I'm curious to see how that's going to manifest itself this year at Dodger Stadium. But yeah. uh, where can our listeners, our viewers follow you for all the international coverage? Yeah, I so my coverage is mostly on Twitter. That's like my primary place where I'll post content. Um, I've been doing that for about a year and a half now. That's where I post my graphics and like updated news. I'm covering the WBC even now. Like for 2026, we're starting now. I'm already starting to come up with like predicted projected lineups and everything like that. So that's where I'll post everything. Um, I also have an Instagram, a lot newer to Instagram. I held off for a long time. I'm not really sure why, but it's the same handle. It's at Sean, like you said, S-H-A-W-N underscore Spradling. Um, that's I, so on Instagram too, TikTok. Um, also do have a YouTube channel and a podcast. Haven't posted in a long time, um, but probably going to start that back up. It's called WBC Central on the Baseball Isn't Boring Podcast Network. So, yeah. There you go. And and that that network is run by our dear friend, Brad Foe. So say hi to Brad Foe for us. Our, uh, our very boring friend, Rob Bradford. Bradford. <laughs> very boring Rob Bradford. Very, very oh. boring. And on so uh, another friend of Brad Foe, and uh, I'm sure a favorite of, of yours as well. Um, recently, one of my more recent interviews I did on my podcast was with Benji Hill. So um, oh. all talking all about like the, the Mexican national team. I just asked him about the WBC, what that experience was like for him. So if you get a chance to listen to that, I, I loved it. And honestly, I need to post little clip, clips from that more. Yeah. Benji's great. He is a friend of the cut. So, but Sean, we want to thank you. Best of luck. You're killing it. And, uh, be, uh, hopefully you'll come back again and, and give us more info on, on any of these international signings. Thank you so much for allowing me to finish this after you found out the team I rooted for growing up. So <laughs> it's okay. You just, just got to worry about the show base now, bro. So we're good. We're chill. <laughs> yeah. There's, there, there's gotta be another time where you come back where we can talk about the Astros. We could, yeah. we can talk about the Astros and get into this whole, like, is it time to bury the hatchet? Is it time to move on type thing? But Sean, you've it. been great. Thank you very much. Thanks guys. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.